Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker Betting Show, sponsored by 888 Sport. This is your Irish Christmas racing preview. I'm your host, George Ellick, and I'll be joined today by Andy Holding and Rory DeLaghi, as well as 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty. Stay tuned to hear which horse Rory wants to back to win by 10 lengths. I find it hard to be against him. The best of his form is outstanding and it's miles in front of all of these. Andy has a strong view on the tussle between Fernie Hollow and Riviere de Tell. Certainly based on the time figures that we keep. She's the fastest two-mile novice either side of the Irish Sea. And find out if Barry Geraghty thinks Aplutard can be beaten. I just got the impression that they feel there's improvement in him, that he has improved from last season. But no, I can't see anything troubling him. Yeah, delighted to be joined by Rory DeLaghi and Andy Holding for this look at some incredible jumps racing over in Ireland over the Christmas period. Rory, how, how does Christmas look for you? Is it a time to to take stock, spend some time with family, or are you going to be spending all of Christmas Day trying to work out the uh, what's going to what's going to be going on uh, over the over the days that come after? I think if I um if I want to spend any time with family next year, I'll need to be um, spending a fair <laughs> bit of it with family between now and uh, and the new year. So um, uh, quiet enough from tonight um, through to uh, through the Boxing Day, a few bits and pieces, um, but never uh, never switch off entirely. But this this is a very busy day for me um, with the decks coming out for um, for Boxing Day slash and Stephen's Day, depending on what side mm-hmm. of the Irish Sea you're on. Um, but I can relax from uh, from tonight onwards. He said, hopefully, touching wood. Yeah, well, I think we're all in a similar boat where, you know, from from this evening, you know, this we're recording this on the 23rd of December, Christmas Eve, Eve, if you will. Um, hopefully, we're going to get a couple of days to to rest and relax. But I must admit, I did have a quick look at the Maidan card this afternoon. Couldn't find anything, sadly. Uh, Andy, what's your Christmas day like? Are you, are you there, you know, making the bread sauce, roasting the potatoes, basting the turkey? Um, I found, to my experience, that I'm probably better off um, keeping out of harm's way and just um you know playing with playing with edward really i think that's the key occupying him that car get on with the uh the main event as it were um in in the preparation for sort of like a mid-afternoon um feast and and yeah just just keep him um um in in check so yeah that that'll, that'll be my day and then probably just uh slide off towards um Towards my computer late afternoon, straight early evening, when his his batteries are running out to start doing my column for uh, Boxing Day. Yeah, absolutely. Childcare followed by eating loads of food, followed by finding some winners. Sounds like a pretty good Christmas day to me. Uh, yeah. Let's get into the racing and the way we're going to do this because there is plenty to get through. Uh, Sunday, Boxing Day, Austin Stevens Day, as you say, at Leopardstown and at Limerick, and then just some cracking races throughout the early part of next week as well. Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday at Leopardstown, providing some titanic tussles between some big names in the game at the moment. So we're going to start on Boxing Day uh, and work our way through wherever we can. You know, we're recording this you know, nearly a, a week ahead of uh, the racing next Wednesday. So some of the uh, prices may change. Uh, we'll do our best to stay on top of them. There may not be prices for some of the races we're going to try and cover, but in an attempt to try and give you as broad a, a preview using both Andy and Rory's knowledge, we're going to try and get through all the graded races <laughs> on those days. And we'll start with the 110 at Leopardstown on Sunday, the 26th of December. It is the Knight Frank Juvenile Hurdle, grade two. And Fidor is the uh, favourite at the moment at four to six. Luna Power three to one. Uh, Britska six to one. Calvados fourteen. Six feet apart twenties. Rebel Step twenty fives. And Scenic Look fifty to one. Andy, come to you for the first race of this uh, Irish Christmas racing preview. Yeah, um, uh, the juveniles so far, either either side of the Irish Sea, have been pretty poor um, than than they have been in uh, previous years. Uh, Zana here. Just for using him as an example, uh, last season he clocked a number way beyond what we'd normally find uh, this time of the year. This up, up to this point, this time last year, and and along came then Calixios as well. So we had two, you know, proper Grade One Irish juveniles um, come this meeting last year, and and this year we've got Phil Dore, who's been the the, the the best so far in Ireland. But to all intents and purposes, he's almost favourite by default because there hasn't been anything remotely any 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 anywhere near good enough to to touch him uh up to now and e- even over here we haven't seen a, a, a other than probably the skeleton also one at warwick uh, I, I, I kind of forget him a little bit 
and and Sky Cutter has, has clocked a couple of good numbers for for Phil Kerber. We haven't really seen anything over here either that's set the juices flowing. So um, it's a division that really needs to catch fire sooner rather than later. Um, I'm I'm a little bit disappointed that Ben Seagal isn't in this race because um, being of, of the same connections of last year's uh, Boodles winner. Um, I would, I would have thought they would have probably wanted to dip their bread early to f- find what they've got with him. But it's interesting that Nami's, um cast him to one side and he's letting Luna Power have another crack at Phil, Phil uh, door. Of course, the two of them clashed uh, 28 days ago at Fairy House. It was the it was the Bowen Racing meeting, wasn't it, when we saw all the, the big big races like Hatton's Grace, etc. So we had a rough comparisons of, of how good they were to the, to the older horses. Um they came up a little bit short on the old on the circuit time sectionals and and the and the overall time as well. So I don't think it was a great race, but it was a good race between them. They went hammer and tongs to the line, and Phil Dore just came out on top. Um, there's an argument to be made that Phil, uh, Luna Power has got half a squeak of turning the form around. Um, I thought he, if he would have jumped the last a little bit better, that might have might have ruffled the feathers as a favourite. Um, but as it stands, it looks between the two. I'd, I'd imagine that Phil Dore, without seeing any prices, will be. What four to seven, two on Luna Power? I just gave you the prices. Four to six, four to oh, six right. at the sorry. moment. Sorry, uh, what on. price is Luna Power? Three to one. Three to one. Yeah, that's that's pretty much how how, how I would say it. Um, Britska would have to improve on his Fairy House win, and and the others don't really do a great deal for me of what I've seen them so far. So the value is definitely with Luna Power, but um, yeah, the Irish juveniles just haven't haven't set the set the world alight so far. And the, if this is a reflection of how good they are, we're in trouble. Mm. I mean, I, I do often wonder if the listeners and viewers of this show treat me the same way as you do, Andy, and just clock off whilst I'm talking and wait for, for you or the other guests to, to um, start speaking. Uh, on that note, Rory, I better stop talking and get over to you to find out your thoughts on this uh, 110 at Leopardstown. Yeah, my thoughts are remarkably similar to, to Andy. And I was convinced when I saw when I looked at the decks for this in the first place that Ben Siegel was in it. And I'd have been really interested in him. He was he was. Um, he was very impressive when winning on his uh, on his hurdles debut at um, at Punchestown, and I thought he was um, I thought he was a type who would who would do really well as a juvenile hurdle. I'm sure he still will. And I thought you know if he was in this race, he'd have got a reasonable price about him because he would have had a bit he'd have had about ten pounds to find with the um, with the top pair. Um, but the fact that Noel Mead relies on lunar power, as as Andy says, you know, strictly speaking, he's wasted to turn the tables because he's um, he's receiving three pounds now from from Fedor. Um, who carries that um, uh, the the penalty for his uh, his Group Three win, Grade Three win last time out? Um, I wouldn't say that's necessarily enough to to um, to stop him uh, winning if he if he um, is going to be as good as he looks like he might be. But strictly on the figures, um, Lunar Power's got the same chance as him. It doesn't make me want to have a, a punt on them. The only other one that I would give a mention to in here, I, I, I agree with Andy. There's a couple. Um, You've got a couple of the fillies who who ran at uh, entry in that listed hurdle. That was a poor contest. The Irish, the Irish filled first four positions in that. Um, really tough conditions that the, the British juvenile fillies just couldn't cope with, um, mm. and they were they were finished in the first four places almost by default. Um, it's not particularly strong form, and I I don't see uh, either Calvados or Six Feet Apart playing a um, a part here. Um, it's worth giving Rebel Step a second look. He's about twenty five to one, or or um, possibly bigger than that. Now he fell on his his debut in the race that was won by Ben Siegel at Punchestown, but he was in third place at the time and going okay. Um, whether he stays two miles over hurdles is is the question mark with him. He was a miler on the flat, but he was a, he was a better horse on the flat than than um, any of his rivals here, um, and he was still learning the game. Come the end of it, he ran well to be placed off a mark of eighty seven on soft ground at Cork in September, and that's the best piece of flat form and offer here. He's just a little, he's a little bit too keen for his own good. Um, and he didn't look an easy ride for Danny Mullins at Punch's time, but he does have plenty of ability. And, and if Andy Slattery can, can harness that, um, then in terms, of a, in terms of class, he's, he's got half a chance here. But, you know, he took a reasonably heavy fall on debut and you wouldn't be rushing to back him on the back of that. But, you know, if he drifted to, to 40s or bigger than that on the day, that might just be too big. Rebel step there, 25 to 1, one to keep an eye on, but no strong view from either Andy or Rory in the first race of our preview. But we'll move on now to the 220. Uh, and Fernie Hollow is the four to five favourite in the Racing Post Novice Chase. Riviere Detel with a mayor's allowance, 13 to 8. Curse of Bleem, 12 to 1. Uh, Graham Bornand, 
20 to 1, Gallant John Joe 66s, and Zoffanine 66s. Uh, Rory, come to you first here, and uh, a lot of intrigue here between <clears> these top two, seeing a lot of shrewdies, a lot of sharps making the case for Riviera de Tell to, uh, to topple Fernie Hollow. Well, she's got the best form, um, it, you know, at the weight. She gets an awful lot of, of weight being a, uh, a filly and a four-year-old. She gets, she carries 11 stone one, whereas Fernie Hollow's got 12 stone. Um, and um, I think the 13-pound difference um, could swing this. Uh, in terms of what they've done over fences so far, she is the, the pick of them. Um, yes, she's, she's more exposed, um, but she's had three runs. She's improved with each of those. Um, she was very impressive um, winning the Clarence Davis at Navin. And prior to that, she had um, uh, she'd won with ridiculous ease um, from from Cape Gentleman, who'd looked at de- a decent prospect himself. She, won, she beat him by 21 lengths um, in the Craddock's Town at Punches Town. And um, if she um, if she runs to, to that level here, I think she'll I think Fernie Hollow will struggle to give her the weight. Um, I would. Yeah, he's obviously he's been very exciting since day one, Fernie Hollow. Um, I didn't think he looked entirely natural over fences at Punchestown himself, but he he got better as the as the race wore on, and that was a strong you know for for a maiden chase, a beginner's chase rather that that was a, a pretty strong field. Um, so at the end of that, I was reasonably impressed with him. But in terms of what they've actually achieved, River Detail sets a decent standard here, um, and you know with Fernie Hollow being an odds-on favourite, there's only one way I'm going here, and that's with her. River Detail, the way to go for Rory Andy. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Riviera Detail. Um, certainly based on the time figures that we keep. She's the fastest um, two-mile novice either side of the Irish Sea by a country mile so far this season, uh, courtesy of that victory uh, last time out at Navin in that Claire on Davis. Um, I mean, she's spread eagle at the field from a very early stage, uh, never looked like relenting. And they weren't top class horses behind behind her, but they were they were useful. Obviously, Drill Deal was in there as well. Take all who finished second. He's now back number. Uh, he'd won well and beat a good field the time before at Wexford, and they were strung out like like washing. Um, she won with any amount in hand, and her time figure would would have been good enough to be in the first three, if not win the Arkle for for every for for every single Arkle in the last ten years. Doesn't mean to say she's always going to run to that time figure. Yeah, but she is capable of running an absolute world-class time, like a complete out-the-ballpark out time. I think she'll always do it under the circumstances of IA, i.e. having an uncontested lead when she's able to row around boat from the front in a small field because I think that's when she's at her best. So if she's taken on, for instance, out of a comfort zone and, you know, Willie Mullins' team wanted to rough her up a bit with perhaps Grand Bretrand and, and you know, kind of like be, be a bit of a spoiler... Um, then it might be a different kettle of fish. She might not necessarily always run to that massive speed figure that we got. But if she's let alone and she gets into the rhythm she got in at Navan, then she's certainly got to put it up to Fernie Hollow, who, of course, had a, a relatively easy time of things when he won on his chase debut. This will be a total different ball game. She'll be going at a, a pace that will have a lot of these out of their comfort zone. And her jumping is very, very good as well. Um, she sees a stride from a long way out. She's a good operator. The track will really suit to the way the fences come up. Um, and I, th- I think she'll still be in front two out. And if she is, she'll keep galloping all the way to the line. Uh, I'm not a weights and measures man, so I'm not really one for looking at the £13 weight for age. But it, it is there as an advantage. If you see it as a massive advantage, I, I just go on the time figures. And she's quicker than Fernie Hollow up to now. And that'll do for me. So but by that reckoning, without the £13 um, mayor's allowance, would you still have Riviera de Tell as the, as the favourite between the two? Yeah, it's just an added bonus. I, I like if they both carry twelve stone, I've got Riviera to tell. You know, doesn't, that, that, yeah. it doesn't. Wouldn't I'm not looking at that and thinking, oh my god, like that's going to stop me off betting. But it, the fact <clears> that she is, as I say, it's an added bonus. If you, if you, it's got to be considered as some kind of advantage, isn't it? Um, how yeah, big yeah. an advantage? I don't know because she's a four year old and the other horses are older, older, bigger, stronger horse who can carry the extra weight. So it's all relative. Um, so yeah, I'm a big I'm a big Riviera Detail fan, and I think if it goes to goes according to plan, I think that ten to one for the Arkle will be a, a dim and distant memory. Because at, at the moment they're betting, I think Fernie Hollis' favourite for the Arkle is it not? Unless I completely. So at the moment we've got say a Fernie Hollow nine to four fav, uh, Riviera Detail ten to one. I mean, I mean they're betting basically they're betting nine to four, ten to one. And and here it's like eight to eleven and six to four, so mm. they're very very closely matched. They should be a lot clo- more closely matched for the Arkle 
And if, if Rivia Detail does win, like me and Rory think she might, <laughs> you know, it's it's a no-brainer, really, what's going to happen in the betting. You, you, you've got to attack that 10-to-1, really, beforehand. Yeah, I mean, she'll get the... Um... She'll get the Mares Alliance in the article, but she won't get the um, she won't get the four year old alliance. Um, yeah. But again, you know, uh, it, there's different ways of, of looking at that. I'd say that, you know, her, her speed figures um, take into account the fact that she's had those alliances in her, in her previous races anyway, um, mm. which would help her produce the figures. But yes, I mean, you, you can't do it without the um, without the talent uh, to produce that kind of that kind of massive figure in the first place. So uh, I can see I can see why bookmakers would take a view that um, <clears throat> Um, that her advantage will be whittled away by March. Um, but now is the time to be punting her, I think. Now is the time. 13 to 8 for this race, uh, the Racing Post Novice Chase, the 220 at Leopardstown on Sunday, 10 to 1 uh, for the Arkle. Go over to Limerick now for the uh, Fahin Novice Chase uh, over, I think, two and a half miles. And Gabinaco is the 5 to 2 favourite ahead of Farouk Dalain. Vanillier, um, one of Barry Geraghty, 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty's horses to look out for for Cheltenham. Um, we'll be asking him about Vanillier in a second, four to one uh, as it stands. Lifetime Ambition, 13 to two. Uh, Lieutenant Command is seven to one. Fire Attack, six to one. Master McShee, 25 to one. Global Equity, 50 to one. Andy? Well, uh, if um, if my sort of memory... Um, serves me correctly, uh, this kind of race often goes to a horse that just slogs it out better than others. Um, you know, Limerick on heavy, heavy ground that ran this, ran this period. Um, you know, you, you don't really want your sexy kind of horses shipping up here. Um, the betting will probably, you know, lean towards the, the likes of Gabby Nacco, um, etc. But I think the two died in the wool stays that would be really suited to this test uh, for Rick Delane and, and Vanillier. Um, I think if it's a speed-based track and it, it was all about, you know, pace and jumping at speed, then obviously Gabby Nacco, because of his Drinmore uh, race when he had everything else cold up to that mistake at the last, would be the one to be. But this, but this will be a totally different ball game. For Rick Delane's already proven around the track as he, he won here last year at Limerick. And I thought he was really good when he won at... Um, uh, Navin the other day, uh, staying on better than two usual horses, Blue Sarian and Ashdale Bob. Uh, and, and Vanilla, of course, we know with his stamina um, from the from the Albert Bartlett last season, um, he, he's he's always likely to be um, a very strong when it comes to a stamina test such as the one he's going to face um, on, on Boxing Day. Uh, very, very, very difficult for me to choose between one or the other. Um, I'd probably lean towards Falak Delane, but that only would be because he's won around the track before and he's proven around Limerick. Uh, but it, it's, a, it's a proper good grade one. There's, you know, you can make cases out for others, but um, he, he'd be the one I'd, I'd be looking at this very moment in time. Farouk Delane, the one to keep an eye on for Andy. Rory? Well, interestingly, this time last year, um, Farouk Delane and Vanillier were first and second in the um, the grade two hurdle. Uh, with this meeting over two miles seven, yeah, yeah. Um, then he 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 um he really caught the eye that day, um, but he got outpaced and then stayed on really well. And then he was disappointing at Leperstein. I really fancied him that day, um, at the Dublin Racing Festival. And of course, then having done my money there, he's bounced back and uh, and and won at Cheltenham. Um, I I would just be concerned about Vanillier over two and a half on the basis that he wants a really solid gallop at the trip. Um, to, to show himself to best effect. And he was really well suited by the um, um, uh, the nature of the race and the Albert Bartlett last year, really played to his strengths. He was a bit disappointing on his, his uh, chase debut uh, behind Lifetime Ambition. Um, I'd fancy him to turn the form around there because, you know, Jessica Harnton said with Lifetime Ambition that the key to him was probably um, better ground. He's not going to get it here. Um, mm. And I don't really see him out slogging Vanillier. But I just, I just wonder whether, you know, short of two and a half, even on the ground they're going to get here, might not bring Vanillier's uh, stamina into play. Whereas Farouk Delaine has shown that he's he's capable at two and a half miles as well. So again, I would agree with Andy uh, with Farouk Delaine here. But I think you know when Vanillier goes back up to three miles again in the spring, um, he's a horse to keep on side. Um, I think that's more important than the conditions. You know, heavy ground helps him because it slows others down. But I think he doesn't need a, he just needs a proper test of stamina um, over three miles plus. Um, so we'll see the best of him when he gets that. Yeah, lifetime ambition currently best price thirteen to two. But let's get eight 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 Sport uh, Ambassador Barry Garrity's thoughts on Vanillier and plenty other horses taking up their engagements over this Christmas period in Ireland. 
Yeah, it's that time of the show where I get to sit down and have a chat with 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty. Barry, very, very good to speak to you. Uh, we did the pleasantries over on the on the UK uh, podcast. If anyone wants to know what Barry Geraghty gets up on Christmas Day, that is your incentive to go listen to that. But this time around, we're going to get straight into the racing and look at you know one of the, the main stories, I guess, over the last uh, week or so in Irish racing, and that is that Appreciate It could well be staying over hurdles after having a setback. Um, in terms of preparations for a chasing bow, I mean, what what do you make of that, and and what kind of a challenge could appreciate it be if, you know, if if he is aimed at a champion hurdle tilt against Honeysuckle? Oh, it's a big challenge. You definitely, I'd say, like I can't imagine it was news that Henry wanted to hear. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't like to have been the person to break it. Uh, yeah, no, he was devastating the supreme, and he had great form before that through the season in novice hurdles. Personally, I thought he was going to be a better horse stepping up and trip, and then he went and he just ripped him apart in the Supreme. Um, mm. So no, he's he he represents this challenge that she hasn't had to deal with yet, and yeah, I think he's he's very exciting, and it could change his whole future career. He, maybe he we could be looking at a champion hurdle winner and and another Fahin staying over hurdles, so it'll be for for a while anyway. So it it'd be interesting. I can't wait to see him whenever we get him out. Yeah, agreed. Well, let's concentrate on the horses that we are going to see and a couple who are um, making that transition to fences. And Fernie Hollow goes up against Riviere de Tell. Four to five, Fernie Hollow, Riviere de Tell, 13 to eight, getting the four-year-old and the mayor's allowance as well. So Fernie Hollow having to give up plenty of weights um, here in what is one of the most hotly anticipated clashes of the weekend over in Ireland. Uh, who do you think will come out on top? Yeah, well, Fernie Hollow is the class horse in the race. He, he obviously beat Bob Ollinger and he beat Appreciated as well. Um, the slight negative for him is, was his jumping at Punchestown. For the first half of the race, he was it was it was erratic. Um, they bypassed the three fences on the backstep because of a low sun, um, but he was very good over the last four. Um, so he can jump, and it, but I think it's just a case of relaxing into a good rhythm early on, which won't be as easy with Rivia the tell because she's going to be breathing down his neck. So tactically, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. For me, Fernie Hollow is the class horse, um, but that lack of experience, that could be his Achilles heel. Um, she's on the other end. She's been very progressive. She's three runs over fences. She's been really good every day. Probably slightly better going right-handed than left-handed. She jumps a little bit right, but having said that, he jumped a little bit left and punched on, so he's going to benefit, I think, going left-handed. Um, but she has the edge and experience um, over him, but whether she can match his class, the 13-pound allowance is obviously a big a big plus mm. for her. Um, but it's hard to get away from Fernie Hollow having beaten Bob Ollinger and appreciated that probably two of the most exciting novice, novices around are horses of that standard. So... Um, It'll be interesting, but it's it's more the experience for me is the key to the race. A couple of um, high-profile horses who aren't going to be taking up their um, early bookings are Anagamine and Kilcroot. But Anagamine's withdrawal means we're going to see a battle between Shakam, Poissois and Envoy Allen. And then in the future champions, the Mighty Potter comes in um, and his favourite ahead of Largy debut, uh, two to one, plays nine to four. Um, what do you make of, of Shaka? You know, Shaka and Poissois travelled over this side twice now, disappointed twice, but normally unbeatable uh, over at Leopardstown. Yeah, he's been very good in Leopardstown, disappointed twice in England. Um, I was in Patrick's company earlier in the week and he felt it was a physical issue in Sandal. He didn't think, he didn't buy into the whole travel over to England twice. He, he thinks that's, that isn't an issue. Um, he thought it was a physical issue and the fact that it brought him back out quick enough for me, would represent that. So um, he should be hard to beat. Um, Envoy Allen, if you stopped the race at two mile and the John Dorkin, what was Envoy Allen going to beat at that stage? I wouldn't have said mm. an awful lot. Uh, Rachel gave him a smack in the neck, leaving the back straight. So for whatever reason, he, whether it was the injury or the change in stable or both, something has taken the gloss off him. And even his, his comeback win in Down Royal, Rachel felt the need to give him a, a tap around the tail at the back of the last, which to me was very surprising because he is a sprinter sacker type model. That, and if you hit sprinter a tap around the tail when he's winning easy, he he cart off. And just, so I was surprised with that. Um, that was a negative for me. And yeah, Envoyelan has a long way to come back from where he was or to get to where he was. Yeah, and uh, how about the hurdle race with uh, Largy Debut trying to trying to um, show that that incredible win last time out was no fluke. 
Yeah, it's, it's a funny one that to, to get your finger on. He could be a very good horse Larry debut, but um, Cork is a very flat track, and I'd say didn't play to Kilcrut's strengths, who obviously stays really well. Um, so maybe Larry Debe just had a speed advantage on him. There was also tra- talk of the ground being a good bit better on the inside where Larry Debe went on that day in Cork and slower on the on towards the middle of the track, which could have been watered ground through the autumn. And it maybe played a part in that. So we're, we're I think we're a little bit of an unknown with, with Largy Debu. Um, I know they, they expected Kilcrut to win on the day, but he obviously didn't perform to what mm. they would have liked. But for me, Mighty Potter, who was third in the Royal Bond, he's a horse who excites me. He has a lot of pace. He looked like a horse who will improve a lot for that experience. Um, he's a big horse, jumps well, but he looked very green and raw. And I think um, he's the one for me that I'd want to be on. One at Limerick on Sunday, uh, Vanillier, a horse that you tipped up in our Cheltenham Antiposts preview as well. You're hoping for a big run. Could line up against tablemate Gabby Nacco if they both turn up uh, with Farouk Delane uh, wedged in between the two in the market. Yeah, it's very interesting that, that Gavin sends both horses here. Um, Vanillier's other option was the three-mile chase in Leopardstown later on in the week, which I would have thought was would have been a nice way to split them, but they both go here. Uh, Gabby Nacco, he would have won the, the Drinmore had he not try to bulldoze his way to about three or four fences. Um, so he needs to put in a better round of jumping. Um, I think Vanillier is a smart horse. I, for me, I think he's slightly better going left-handed. He jumped a little bit um, left, to his left in Punchestown when he won. It was a workman-like performance. The ground will need to be very soft in Limerick, I think, for him to have the pace to match the other two, maybe. So it's it's an interesting choice that they've gone there. Um, for me, I'd have gone the three-mile option in Leopardstown. Going left-handed, I think, is a plus for him. So whether um, Boxing Day would be the day for him, but I think he's one maybe to keep in, keep in mind for the, the National Chess at the Festival. Last one before I let you go off uh, and enjoy your Christmas, Barry. Um, Aplutard's return is uh, one of the highlights of next week's racing in the Savills Chase. Now, a quick tease for those who haven't heard already because it's coming before, but Andy and Roy have a big view on Aplutard at at the 8 to 11 price he is at the moment. Um, up against Galvin, Delta Work, Kenboy, uh, Janadil, a few others in there as well. Are any of these good enough to beat him? I don't think so. I really don't. Um, he was very good in Haydock. Um, and you could say it was an improvement in last season, but he beat um, he beat Venetia's horse, uh, Royal Pagai, 22 lengths. But he beat him more than that in Cheltenham. So it's hard to say it's an improvement, but the style of his win, he seemed to jump better than he did at Cheltenham. Um, when I was down at Henry's during the autumn and we were discussing horses, I got a very good impression of the lads in Henry's. That they, I just got the impression that they feel he, there's improvement in him, that he has improved from last season. Um, he's only seven-year-old, so he's very much open to improvement. Um, so, but no, I can't see anything trouble him. Galvin would enjoy the drying ground, but it would be a big step up in class from him from us winning the national chase against next next destination to beat um Aplutard and Kenboy, Mellon, Delta Work, you know, the, the the old brigade kicking around winning this race. They've won it for the last couple of years, but um no, I don't see anything to touch Aplutard. There we have it. So nothing to touch Aplutard. Thank you very much to 888 Sport uh, Ambassador Barry Garrity for talking us uh, to us today. Have a great Christmas and look forward to speaking to you in the new year. And you. Cheers, George. Thank you. Yeah, thanks as ever to 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty for sharing his thoughts with us on the Odds Checker betting show. But we'll move on now to Monday, Monday's racing, Monday the 27th of December. And we have the Paddy's Reward Club chase uh, where Energamine is a non-runner, leaving just four in the field. And Chacun Poissois is the two-on favourite ahead of Envoy Allen at two to one. Battle over Doyen, 10 to one. And sizing Potsy 20 to 1. It's all about these top two in the market. And Shaq and Poissois may um, have disappointed on his two trips over to the UK, Andy. But certainly if he's true to form in terms of what he can do uh, over in Ireland, then Envoy Allen's going to have a tough time getting past. Yeah, it's only a sample size of two. But um, the evidence is that uh, Shaq and Poissois isn't a great traveller. Um, he was underachiever in the champion chase, we all know. And then even worse in the Tingle Creek. So... You know, that, that's the only conclusion you can draw to because other than that, he's been devastating, hasn't he, um, on home mm-hmm. soil, particularly here at Leopardstown. Um, you'd love to be in the position of having the insider knowledge and knowing what was going on here because you could have had five to two about him um, 
48 hours ago and Ergamine was 4-9 to nine and he was 5-2. to two. Um, And they, if you've took yeah. the 5-2 to two and took a chance and you knew what was going on, he'd be in a brilliant position because Ergamine doesn't run a course. Um, and it does leave the door wide open for him, really. If he's ever going to bounce back, he's going to be in a small field around Leopardstown. Um, Envoy Allen was disappointing last time. I had. He was good the first day, but I don't know. Um, just didn't quite go for as forward as I thought he, I thought he might. So he might... He might be having a touch of the Sam Crows about him in the sense that we, we, we do get to see him turn up every now and again, but not every time. Battle over Dyne, I don't think he's got the speed to win over two mile one. Um, and Sazin Potsy, I think he's better going right-handed. Most of his best forms are around the, around the punches, stands and fairy houses of this world. So I think the betting's absolutely spot on. He's not a bet for me. He's not a horse. He's a bit of an epitant. He's not a horse I'm particularly warm to or whatever. I think, oh yeah, I'm rubbing my hands. I'm going to back Chuck and Paul Swartz at a short price. If he wins, I'll just let him win. But I, I do um, like watching him run. He's a likeable watch uh, when he's in full gear. Um, and I'd imagine he'll, he'll win at odds on, but um, wouldn't be for me. Not for you there. Can you make a case for any any value here, Rory? Uh, winning margin, <laughs> I think, is the, is the way to go here. Uh, I'm slightly, I was surprised to see Shakun, um in the decks here because he came back from, from Sandown, um, you know, according to Willie Mullins, pretty sore uh, from that mm. run. You know, he, he made a bad mistake at the first of the railway fences. And my reading of that race was that he, he may, might have hurt himself a bit there. But um, whatever he did, it didn't, um, it hasn't had any lasting effect. Otherwise, you know, w- Willie had a, a ready-made substitute in an argument. So that he, he wouldn't be running Shaq and Persois here unless he was absolutely 100% happy with him because there are plenty of opportunities for him. So... I find it hard to be against him. The best of his form is outstanding and it's miles in front of all of these. So if I was having a bet in the race, I'd, I'd be looking to I'd be backing him to win by 10 lengths or more or whatever, you know, whatever some, some firm <laughs> will, will give you some kind of winning margin bet. And if you can shop around and see what the best of them is, then that might be a way in. But, you know, there are, there are more appealing betting races through the uh, Christmas period. Yeah, let's move on then to the 145 uh, on the Monday, which is the Paddy Power Future Champions Novice Hurdle. Try and find some value here. And early prices have Mighty Potter as two to one favourite, head of larger debut at nine to four. Uh, Grange is 11 to four, Three Stripe Life 11 to two, uh, Farouk 20 to one, Arctic Warrior 25 to one. Um, so Mighty Potter, the favourite here, just ahead of larger debut, Andy. Does that early prices, do they tally with the way you see this going? Um, I could see why my, Mighty Potter um, is putting relatively short here, because he was the big eye catcher, wasn't he, in the Royal Bond. Um, I think everyone put him down in, in their notebooks that day. I just didn't think the Royal Bond was that much of a race this year. Um, I, I was I was quite lukewarm on it, looking at it prior to um Prior to the race, it, it just didn't look as strong a field as it has been in, in, in recent times, um, and, and the time figure suggests that as well. Um, so, I think Largy Debut did a lot more in beating Kilcourt, um, beating Kilcourt easily as well than than quite a few of these have already done in, in probably better company already. Um, and I don't think he should be underestimated either because, let's face it, Kilcourt was a 14 on chance at Cork. So it wasn't as if he was, like, weak in the betting or everyone could smell a rat or, you know, oh, he's definitely going to need the run. You mm. know, he was, like, eight on in the morning. He went off 14 on. So I think <laughs> the money buyers thought it was just literally a case of going down and coming back. But he got absolutely battered by Largy Debut. And, and like I said, the numbers suggested there was no fluke about that whatsoever. Mm. Um, I've got a healthy respect for three-stripe life. Always have have done. He represents last year's sort of champion bumper form, which has sort of been tarnished and enhanced in, in equal equal measures. Depends on which way side of the fence you sit. The Grongy form line or time figure for that hurdle she won the other day was 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 pathetic, really. To be honest, it it, it didn't even get beyond a a, a, a regulation time. Um, so she's going to have to do a good bit better. Obviously, she can because she's a you know a listed stroke group or graded Philly from last year in, in, in the bumper sphere. So she clearly has got more to come. But on what she did first time out of her hurdles, you wouldn't be getting excited from num- a numbers perspective. So, yeah, I, I think this is um, very much one for Largy Debbie to prove that that win at Cork was, was no, there was no fluke about it. I think he's a really smart horse. Yeah, Largy Debbie, the second favourite at 9-4, to four, the value for Andy. Uh, Rory, how do you see this? 
Yeah, I'd, I'd have Largy debut shorter. I'd have I'd definitely have him favourite for this race. I think he should have won on his debut as well. Um, that was going back to to March last year. Um, his one run for for Stuart Crawford, um, when um, uh, one of the one of the brothers who ruled him that day probably made the mistake in keeping him to the inside of the track on the worst of the grind on the straight, um, and he was uh, he was beaten, but he ran very well. And he's um, as Andy's said already. There's there's absolutely um, no fluke about um, his um, his defeat of Kilcrat. Um, at Cork, um, and the, the time figure is excellent. The way he went about that was really impressive. Um, I think when you're looking at novice hurdles, I think it it helps enormously not to get too hung up about reputations and about who you expect to win in the first place. You watch the races and you judge them based on what you see. And I think a lot of people are sort of are judging Largy debut on the fact that Kilcrop was expected to win and therefore he must have been miles below form. I'm I'm not at all sure about that. You know, the the SP was was um. Uh, SP was a bit daft given that Largy debut was six to one. So 14, 14's on the favourite, six to one, the second favourite. Uh, but he won, <laughs> he won entirely on debut. And that is, as Andy said, is backed up um, uh, by the time. It's a remarkable time figure for a, for a horse having his first hurdle start and his first run in, in 18 months uh, and more. Um, my only concern would be that it was such a huge performance. There's a vague possibility he might just um, bounce a little bit from it. But in terms of the promise of that debut, he looks the best horse in this race. And um, I think he will be the best of these long term. Yeah, Largy debut, therefore, proving popular with both Andy and Rory here. Looks to be the value at nine to four. Uh, we'll move on back over to Limerick now for the Lions of Limerick uh, novice hurdle um, over, what's the trip, is it? Uh, over two miles seven, so just under three miles. And Freedom to Dream is the seven to two favourite ahead of Eric Bloodaxe at four to one. Brampton Bell and Humble Glory, both seven to one. Angels Dawn, 10 to one. Uh, 20 to one bar Andy um, Peter Farhi's freedom to dream at the top end but this is your your wheelhouse here these novice hurdles any of these standing out any of these being underestimated in the market yeah I think there was a good uh, very good <coughs> excuse me mayor's hurdle race of the day at um, um, was it Pontystown <coughs> won by Party Central uh, I actually fancied one in that race and she she was flat to the boards all the way through it um, a, a, a mayor called um uh, the getaway star mm. and the getaway star ran i think it was about three days ago at uh, thurlis and just got beat by lunar display so she subsequently come out and suggested that the form line of that race at uh, punchestown she got beat 25 lengths is pretty healthy and my um underlying sort of um feature or theory about that race is that humble glory should have won um, stab a companion of the winner, uh, Party Central, um, and I think she's crying out for further than what she um, encountered that day. I think it was two and a half miles. It might have been two mile five, but she's got two mile seven to to run on um, over, over at Limerick, and particularly on soft or heavy ground. I think that's going to really play into her strengths. Um, what price did you say she was? Humble Glory. Uh, Humble Glory is uh, seven to one. Seven to one. Yeah, that would strike me as being a fairly decent price. For, and she's quite a big, substantially built mare as well. She'd be a good bit better than the, the, the other mares in the race. Uh, Brampton, Bell, Angels, Dawn and, and uh, Robin de Glory as well. Um, if you're trying to judge where she stands in, in her own sex. Um, Eric Bloodaxe, I think he's a weak favourite. He, he clocked a bad number first time out when he won. And um, he got readily put in his place to the day by what's called Jinto. But again, that time figure, that Jinto race was really poor. So I think he's running two bad, really poor speed figure races. And I don't think he's as good as what they think. So yeah, this this race is for me, the betting looks completely all over the place. Um, and I'm, I'm big on Humble Glory. I think she'll go very close to winning. Humble Glory, a strong fancy, a strong selection from Andy. Rory, do you have similarly strong views here? Uh, no, I don't. I don't have a particularly strong view in the race at all. Um, I would. Um, I certainly wouldn't. Wouldn't disagree with uh, with Andy about Humble Glory. It's interesting that she's not raced on um, on particularly deep ground over hurdles um, thus far, having um, or, or late anyway, um, having shown good form in heavy ground earlier in her career. And I think um, the uh, the ground is liable to be heavy at Limerick on the day. And as Andy says, she's she's looked um, like she wants a. Um, um, a proper test. She was disappointing at Sligo, I suppose. Um, you know, over uh, an extended three mile one and a uh, three mile one, 
um, on soft ground. And that would be that would be your worry, I suppose, uh, with her. She was a drop price favourite that day and she only finished fourth. But her runs since have been better. And that's um, the Punchestown run is, is a career best from her. Um, while she also gave the impression that she would should be suited by a step up and trip. But I'm not um, I'm not keen enough on her to um, uh, to pile in. Um, and the race didn't do an awful lot for me, to be honest. It looks like a fairly weak renewal of it. Um, you know, given it's been won by some some very good horses um, over the years, I did I thought it was well below standard. Um, Brampton Bell is is thoroughly unexposed and might just she's proven she handles heavy ground by um, by winning on her um, uh, on her reappearance um, at Tremor. But how good she is, I don't know. Um, she obviously represents powerful connections. She might she might be the type to improve a chunk. But as Andy says, um, you wouldn't you lined her up against um, Humble Glory. Humble Glory, although she's had more experience, does look like a, a mare with a bit more scope. So, um, yeah, she, she'd probably be my, my default selection, Humble Glory, but it's very much default. By default, after hearing Andy making such a good case, it's hard to come to any any other conclusion, Rory, I don't blame you. So Humble Glory, the, the selection, the one that takes both fancies, but stronger from Andy, no doubt, seven to one as it stands. Uh, for that one over at Limerick. And we'll move on now to back to Leopardstown. We're on to Tuesday, Tuesday the 28th now. Um, and we have the Christmas Hurdle, um, one of the biggest races of the Christmas periods. And Classical Dream is best price, five to two. Uh, Favourite here as short as six to four in a place. Uh, Florian Porter, 11 to four. Side of Burley, six to one. Abracadabra is eight to one. Ronald Pump, eight to one. Gentleman's Game, 20s. Saldia, 20s. Commander of Fleet, 20s. 25 to one. Bar. This will inevitably cut up a bit, Andy. Um, you know, we've seen a couple of these, uh, Ronald Pump in particular, race fairly recently. Um, but as it stands at the moment, Classical Dream, uh, just favourite at best prices ahead of Florian Porter. Yeah, if the Classical Dream that we saw at the Punchestown Festival turns up here, um, and, you know, that's a $64,000 question, he wins, doesn't he? Because um, Probably the best performance from a three-miler either side of the RSC, including Floyd Porter's victory in the stairs early. He was just brilliant that day. I mean, he, he just looked like a Rolls-Royce. He, he almost looked as though he just joined in at the second last. Mm. Now, I know a lot of them had, had had hard seasons and, um, you know, they, they a lot of connections thought, well, we'll, we'll roll the dice again and go 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 to the well, you know, for the, for the last time. There's a lot of connections do it at that meeting. You know, Willie Mullins tends to run all his horses at it and uh, Florian Porter obviously ran in it just to, um, so try and um, you know sign off the season in a in a good fashion, and it just didn't work out for many horses in that race. Uh, whereas everything that could have gone right for Classical Dream um, did, um, and you know the the step up to three miles ended up being a genius move, having raced predominantly in his career over two miles previously. So it's a very very difficult race to bet in because um, it's like do you take a chance on him? Um, being absolutely in that A A one zone again, or do you think well, is he likely to repeat that again? Um, I think Florian Porter will be there to pick up any kind of pieces that uh, others might leave because he's just solid. He'll go off in front like he did when he won this race last year, and he just ran him into the ground last year um, mm. as he did in the stage hurdle. Um, I, I still think the 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 whole division is is a bit of a mess, uh, particularly obviously now from my perspective, Buzzy's out, which is a real shame because I think he was the one that had everything going for him. And in a in a, in a sort of period where we're we're still not quite sure about Florian Porter, what do we what do we make of Classical Dream? Where do we stand with Time Hill? It looks like the likes of Paisley Park and Liz Nagar Oscar have seen better days, and then all of a sudden Champ comes onto the onto the scene, imposing <laughs> a performance like he did from left field on the weekend. So. Um, it's a really, real annoying for me now. I'm kind of looking at these three mile races with through gritty teeth because Buzzy's not there, um, and I'm kind of having to sort of like shake, shake myself out, shake that out my system. Um, mm. If if you if you if you if you gave me a bet, I'd, I'd probably go with Florian Porter, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm probably looking to sort of stay clear of this division until I get the true facts come Cheltenham. So Florian Porter, the one to possibly keep an eye on there for those who are looking for a bet, according to Andy. But maybe Rory will have something a bit more concrete for us. Not really, no. And again, the, yeah, as you said, the race is going to cut up a bit. It looks, it looks, um, it looks like a cracking race on paper as we uh, as we stand. But we know that a a few of these um, won't be turning up. Um, I'd like to see Classical Dream lay, lay it down because you know 
I would like the division to to have a, a um uh, a, a proper uh, look to it come come the spring. Um, a classical dream, you know, was Andy Paul's favourite for the um, for the stairs hurdle until Champ um, uh, turned up unexpectedly and won the won the uh, long walk. Um, so it'd be nice if he threw down a performance to kind of match that, and then we could look forward to that come March. I I would suspect that Willie will have left a, a fair degree to work on with classical dream. And if you look at, at Punch's time results over the years, Willie's an absolute genius at at um, at getting horses to peak for Punch's time, whereas a lot of the horses running in the big grade ones there are horses who've proven themselves earlier in the spring. Um, Florian Porter being a, a great example last year, ran no sort of race um, behind Classical Dream, having having won very well on the stairs hurdle. A lot of horses leaving the races behind, but Willie's always been very good. Um, rather than rushing horses back, um, he's he's uh, he's always always bears in mind that Punchestown is a big festival to get your horses ready for. And of course, it took him you know, classical dream been off the track for a long time before that, um, but um, you know, showed his his best ever form. If he shows the same form, he's going to be hard to beat. But I think it's a fairly big if, because again, he'll be trained to peak in um, in mid to late spring. So I think he'd be vulnerable first time out. Um, in saying that, you know, I probably would have gone with Ronald Pump here if he hadn't gone to ask it. But apparently, um, the uh, connections have said Matthew Smith said he came back from Ascot really well. Um, and he's he in, in, intends to run him again, but that was a rather disappointing performance being beaten 18 lengths despite having the run of it there. So mm. there's no obvious reason why he's um, uh, he's you know a week or so later going to run that much better. Of course, you know this is we're looking at the middle of the next week now, aren't we? So it is 10 days. It's not um, yeah. It's possible. It's possible that he could um, he could bounce back from that. So I find it I find it a pretty tough race to to get involved in. I might I'm vaguely coming down the same route as as Andy again with, um, I think Florian Porter is liable to show his his form here. Um, he's a little bit bigger than he might be because he was because he ran poorly at at Punchestown. But his his um his stairs hurdle wins a very good performance. His win here last year is very good. He's a bit of a head kiss to be perfectly honest with you. Um, his steering is is very dubious. But his talent is there for all to see. He's very, he's very fast over three miles. Um, he was, uh, he was likely to have won, you know, when he fell in his reappearance. Um, he's, he's a little bit, as I said, a little bit of a, an enigma. Um, but I think he's probably the likeliest winner of this, all things considered. Um, not that I'm a, a massive fan of, of punting him, but I think if I, again, if I, I was forced to, um, to have a bet in the race at the moment, um, it would be him. Again, there might be one. Or, there might be one or two at declarations time who you're surprised to see in the race, and I, I definitely have a second look at it when I see the decks. But he's uh, he looks certain to run, and he's just about the pick of them. And and uh, I don't think Classical Dream will be 100% um, for this reappearance. For Porter, the pick for both. Uh, then on to the Savills Chase, where we've got Aplutard as the eight to eleven favourite. Head of Galvin, eleven to two. Delta Work, eight to one. Kemboy, nine to one. Manella Indo, ten to one, but sure not to run. Uh, Janadil, ten to one. Uh, Asterian Falange, fourteens. Menon, sixteens. Um, Andy, over to you for this one with Aplutard, um, hoping to to back up the seasonal reappearance with another impressive win. Yeah, I mean, of all the sort of short ones um, over the Christmas period, um, I think this one's the most solid. I've been a bit wishy-washy with a few of them. Not really horses I want to be back in it. Sort of one to two, four to nine, but I do think eight to eleven is a lot of putting your hand in the till with this this fella. Um, he's he's just different clack grade to this lot. I mean, we're going to get half the field not running. By the way, I think at least five or six of these will yeah. are already declared elsewhere. I think the race will cut up. I think the eight to eleven will be more two on on the off. He's just proven time and time again that he, he's probably you know the best horse in Ireland on a regular basis. That's not mean to say that Manella Rindo on his day can't beat him. <laughs> But the pair of them were well clear in the Gold Cup, a stellar Gold Cup, uh, with a Gold Cup winner well beaten. And he, he's not like Manila Indo, who, who tends to leave his best performance to Cheltenham. He, he does it on the build-up to Cheltenham. I mean, when he won here last year, it was just an unbelievable race. It was a who's who of mm. Irish uh, chasers. And he, 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 just, he just was by far and away the best. He was the strongest stayer um, when all the horses were, had cried enough in, in a very strongly run race. So... He's got a bit of everything. If they go quick, he's fine. If they, if they don't, he's still fine. Uh, he's, he's just brilliant in the Betfair, and he, he beat horses on on their own patch. You know, made Bristol Demine, etc. Look very slow. So uncomplicated this one. Very unoriginal, but it's got to be a Plutard. Simple as that. 
Andy can't see past Aplutard. Roy, can you make a case for any of this lot? Uh, uh, no, in in short, <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously the one or two in the in the entries are capable of beating him, but um, uh, they'll not be they'll not be running here. Um, I'm not. Um, because I'm not a fan of Galvin. I like Galvin. Galvin's a nice horse, but I think he's flattered by his um, his proximity at Down Royal on his reappearance. Um, and the bottom line in this field is that um, a Plutar is is um, is fundamentally different class. I've been a huge fan of this horse um, since um, since early days. It's amazing to think he's still only seven. It really is. Um, but um, he's been well looked after by by Henry de Bromhead. Um, I um, I was convinced he was a Grade One horse. Um, when he won the novices handicap at Cheltenham a few years ago, and, and took um, uh, took some stick when he was beating the Punchestown after that, but he's he's bounced back to show himself to be absolutely top notch, and it's very hard to be against him here. The the only word of warning I would give you is the fact that races over this course and distance in the last few years have proved unpredictable. You know they tend to throw up races in which five or six horses have a chance between the last two fences. Um, mm. But by the nature of, of how the races are run, and they haven't always given the impression that the best horse is winning all the time. Um, but um, that's the only concern. I think he's he's easily the best horse in this race. He's the most likely to put his best foot forward as well. Um, and uh, yeah, he's he's there are pretty much no negatives with him um, now that he's you know people did question whether he would stay uh, last year, but you know he did he did absolutely nothing wrong. He was. Um, unlucky to run into um, uh, a rejuvenated Manila Indo at, uh, at Cheltenham, but otherwise um, he's been absolutely superb. I say otherwise, he was superb at Cheltenham as well. Um, mm. Since stepping up to three miles, he's been he's been unimpeachable, um, and I couldn't possibly desert him here. Happily tired then, a strong one, even at 8-11. to 11, uh, We cannot see him beat as it stands. Uh, on then to the, well, I said we're going to mention all the graded racing, at Leopardstown uh, and Limerick over the week. And that means we'll touch on the, the mayor's hurdle, uh, the 110 on Wednesday at Leopardstown over two and a half miles. It should tell us a fair bit about the mayor's hurdle over in March. A lot of the protagonists in the market, tell me something girl, she wears it well. Galois, Dysart Diamond all entered, Andy. Um, no prices yet though, so I cannot shed light into how the market will look. But judging by the mayor's hurdle, market itself you'd expect tell me something girl and, and she wears it well to be pretty much inseparable at the top end um do you have any view on who you'd like to be with well um you know we're, we're, we're we've been waiting for she wears it well to come out since she, she was devastating it i think it was tipperary wasn't it over over mm. a year ago uh, back in i think it was october 2020 and i was getting really excited about her for the rest of the season i think i did a podcast after that putting her yeah. up as a horse to follow and Obviously, she's she's been on the easy list ever since. Um, her victory that day, I can't remember who it was in comparison with, but she was a lot quicker than the I think it was the Grimes Hurdle winner, the the um, the uh, older horse Grade Three race. Um, so straight away, I was thinking, God, this is this is a really smart animal. Um, I, th- I think if she if everything's okay with her and she's she's all singing and dancing, I think she's likely to maybe have too much for these. Um, and a, a target will be, of course, you know, the festival this time around. Um, but you know, it's not it's not guaranteed with with William Mullins whether whether she'll run until she's actually on the on the on the team sheet to the strutter stuff. Then um, I, I wouldn't be second guessing anything. Um, it's in, interesting that uh, Ed was quite keen on tell me something, girl, wasn't he? He, he mm. suggested that she'll improve dramatically from that first run of the season when she was a little bit below par behind Dysart Diamond, um, and of course, you know, she's the She's the um, she was the winner at Cheltenham last season, so we've obviously got to be respectful of her. But yeah, it, a lot depends on on she she wears it well. If she, if she's if she comes comes here on her A game, then I think she probably just have, like I say might have to touch too much glass. But uh, not a, not a race I've got a dogmatic view on. She wears it well, at least an exciting one. If she does turn up here uh, next week, Rory, any view on on the others? Uh, my view is fundamentally is that if you get five Willie Mullins horses in an anti-post race, uh, you probably you probably <laughs> yeah. want to hang fire. Yeah. Um, uh, the the other one I would mention there, uh, and, and I wasn't I wasn't enormously impressed with her last season, but um, given she was um, she was favourite for the um, uh, for the Dawn Run um, at Cheltenham Royal Kahala, I was I, I thought she mm. um, I thought she improved on her return um, behind uh, Dysart Diamond. 
I think she will um, uh, she would be able to reverse that form, um, given her another chance. And I think she's um, she's one to be to keep on side as well. But yes, it's a it's a an impossible race to punt on at this stage because Willie's not going to go five handed into it. Um, but whatever he does run, I think yeah, as Andy says, you know, if, if he ended up relying on she wears it well, that would tell you plenty. Um, it was Saint Wah. Who, who ran over the same course and distance on the same day, who everyone was raving about for the champion mm-hmm. hurdle yeah. after yeah. his run. And she was, she was stones better than him that day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's, um, she's very interesting. Um, uh, but of course, you know, we have, as Andy says, we've not, not seen her in well over a year. So um, you couldn't be backing her at this stage, but if she's, um, if you see her in the decks, then um, you want to punt her as quickly as you can, because that would be a really positive sign. You might even want to start thinking about um, anti-postmarkets for her, if you see her in the mm-hmm. decks for this. You want to keep an eye on decks uh, in the next few days. Uh, two more races to cover on this uh, Irish Christmas racing preview. Uh, we have the uh, Neville Hotel's Novice Chase, followed by the, um, the Matheson Hurdle. And in the novice chase, we've got Beacon Edge as the 130 favourite ahead of Run Wild Fred at seven to two on the ropes, five to one Fury Road, and Cape Gentleman and the aforementioned Vanillier seven to one, twelve to one Bacardi's uh, with Mister Incredible as well, Andy. Yeah, having back Run Wild Fred at, at a big price um, for the from the start of the season for the Grand National, um, I was quite alarmed to see connections um, suggest that maybe the National and Chase at the Channel Festival might be uh, on the radar because he's very much got the profile, had the profile as far as I could see, um, going into the Troy Town as being a, a national kind of horse. Mm. Um, you know, he's now rated 159, so whether, you know, knowing, <laughs> knowing the connections, whether they'll be uh, having a word with a handicapper to say he's probably got too much weight and not running, you know, i.e. the Altoga role argument. But, um yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like you know treading on eggshells with regards to that uh, anti-post voucher, but he, he's just a very good horse. Run wild, Fred. I mean, he, he battered him in the Troy Town. He jumped brilliant and he stays really well. I do like him. He's just really honest, even though he wears blinkers and he probably wouldn't. <laughs> he, he probably he probably wouldn't um, be an amateur to, to, to everyone. Um, but I, I thought the interesting one besides him was, was on the ropes. Um, he got beat a long way in, in the in the Labbrook, but he just got into a. It was just one of those starts. He was stuck out on the outside. There was two of them kind of like half semi missed a break and he was one of them. I think they wanted to get him up there and, you know, get him into a good rhythm early. And he was always playing catch up. He was never, he could never quite get into the rhythm that the front runners um, did on that occasion. And it, it, he was like 15 lengths behind at halfway. And he was the only one of, of the horses that were held up or not by design, but held up or towards the rear that, that made inroads in the back end of the race when everything dropped away. So I actually think he ran really well on the ropes for his first proper bloody nose test. I mean, he got a freebie in the, in the, in the race before the Munster National. So uh, I know that was a big feel, but he did make the running that day. But uh, I think he would have probably learned more in defeat at Newbury than he would have done in victory at Limerick. Um, and I think that'll stand him in good stead. I actually see him as more as a national hunt chase horse than I do maybe run wild Fred. Because uh, I do think three miles six now, as it is now around uh, Cheltenham, will suit him. So that was a bit of tour concentrate trade trade on. Um, <laughs> depends on which one runs, of course. So I, I'm not privy to that information, but um, um, yeah, on the ropes as it stands, I'd be uh, I'd be hopeful that he'd fly the flag for Willie Mullins here. On the ropes, five to one, run wild, Fred seven to two, Rory. Yeah, I was I was um, surprised. Well. I'm surprised the Cape Gentleman is still in this when he's been taken out at Limerick in the Faulheen because for me, he needs to go right-handed. Um, as he showed last season, he was very disappointing um, when he raced at the uh, the Dublin Racing Festival and they've kept him right-handed since. Um, I think he's just in this by default, to be honest. I'd be surprised if he, if he lines up. But of course, he beat Ron Wild Fred at court uh, in that grade three in October. So, um, you know, in terms of of, um, of ability, he's got, he's got, you know, every chance of... Um, of upholding that form, who did turn out, but I, I'd be surprised. I am in total agreement um, with Andy about about on the ropes. Um, I didn't greatly fancy him um, having gone up to one five three for the um, for the Ladbrokes Trophy, and I certainly didn't fancy him after about a hundred yards because that's that's a race. You know, it's been proven over the years. You've got to be you've got to be reasonably handy um, at Newbury because it's a real t- it's a real rhythm jumping track as well, Newbury. And you you watch um, you know the um, 
videos of old Hennessy's and stuff like that there, and you see that it's it's it doesn't really play to to hold up horses. Um, and he just got caught flat-footed at the start, as far as I could tell, and uh, and was left left poorly positioned. So although he's run below form on the figures, I completely agree with Andy that I think he ran really well to pick up a place um, because he had he had literally no chance after jumping the first fence. Um, mm. So to to manage to get himself into contention after that. You do see that happen sometimes, horses running through the field later on and they're flattered by it, but he wasn't at all. Um, he was um, uh, he was he was doing well to pick up the pieces um, in a race that didn't suit um, where he was positioned. Um, again, you know, I think he was maybe a bit skinny anti-post for that race anyway, because I'm not sure the Monster National was was um, a tremendous test, uh, given he, he got in that of one four one. But in fairness, back in Novice Company, uh, even um, even in a Grade One, I think he's um, I think he's got every chance um, on the figures. Obviously, you know we're missing some of the really big names uh, coming into Christmas here, and um, again with with plenty in here going elsewhere. Uh, I think he's um, I think he'd have a favourites chance in the race on the ropes, and it'd be interesting to see if this is this is the route they want to go with him. Uh, and if it is, then um, then he'd have a decent chance. Just wanted to ask Andy again about um, Mister Incredible because obviously nothing mm. went right for him at Newbury last time out. No, he was really disappointing. Um, for what reason I don't know. That was his first race, of course, over the RBC. So travelling wise, you don't know whether he's dehydrated or whatever. But I, I, there hasn't been any reports of such afterwards. But I just think he got put in his place by a very good horse. We'll find out how good a, a horse Senior is at, at uh, Kempton on Boxing Day up against Brave Man's Game, but. You just have to say that um, until he's uh, proven himself otherwise, then um, he might not be quite as good as what I thought. Would you ever be willing, I mean, at the price that you're going to get here to just draw a line through that run, hope there was a reason for it and try and um, nick a bit of value if, if he is as good as you thought he was? Um, no, in this case, no, with him. Um, because I, that was just my fault. Maybe I just over, overestimated him. Uh, mm. I knew he was good the first day. You know, to win from where he was in that in that beginners, but um, you know, it was a big jump up perhaps to go and take on a horse senior. And the market probably overreacted. Um, he ended up going off a, a daft price. Um, and yeah, I just think he was putting his place, and I couldn't see too many excuses, like I say, unless there was something internally wrong with him. Um, but yeah, what well, well, it's dangerous to write him off after just one bad run, but um, he mm. wouldn't be carrying any my money anyway. He's he's so, just looking back at his runs, um, given what he did, he, he wanted to hang in behind under Rachel Blackmore at, at Newbury. And I'm, I look back at, and obviously he was always on the inside, uh, Nace. He did show a tendency to hang as well when he when he won at um, over hurdles at Nace in January. And I think that's, I think that's just a sign of weakness. You know, you see that in some horses, and you think maybe you know you wouldn't trust them. I don't think I don't think it's that with him, but I think it might just be that he's, you know, he's uh, he's hanging because he's not um, he's not quite the um, the finished article yet. Um, I wouldn't fancy him in this, but he's the kind of horse I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him develop into, you know, possibly an Irish national horse later in the season if they can keep him going in the right direction. But on the back of the Newbury run, you wouldn't be backing. On then to the last race we'll be covering here, the Matheson Hurdle. And Sharjah is the 11 to 10 favourite ahead of Zana here at 4 to 1. Her Tiapu is 8 to 1. Echoes and Rain, 8 to 1. Saldia, 8 to 1. Abracadabra is 10 to 1. Quixelos, 12 to 1. As you know, the the theme here. And San Ra, who we spoke about earlier, 16 to 1. I mean, the, the, the theme here is that these races are going to cut up. I mean, a lot of these horses aren't going to take up their bookings here. But Andy, we probably expect the top two or three at least to. Um, a decent each way shape to the race at the moment as well. Um, how do you see this as it stands? Yeah, I've, I've said in um, many podcasts, both past and present, about Charger, uh, just how good he is when he's on song. He, he's run some incredible figures, better than Honeysuckle has. He, he, tends to, he tends to run his best figures when Honeysuckle's not there. Um, and this race is always the race where he tends to go big. He's won, I think he's won it the last three years, isn't he? I think we're getting into sort of... Yeah further flight territory for a horse who's won a certain race for a certain amount of years. And I think this will be the fourth because on what we saw the other day at um, Fairy House, he was, he was as good as ever. I know it was a tactical mess with any three runners and he didn't suit Echoes in rain, but um, it just proves his versatility, really. That's what I'm getting at. You know, slow run, fast run. He's just he's just a very good horse. I've always loved Charger. Um, he's a con horse. I've loved backing each way, champion hurdles and 
okay, he wasn't good enough last year, but uh, you can basically set your clock by him. Um, I think he'll probably be placing this year's champion again. And uh, this will be a precursor to what goes on, I think, in, in March. Um, I don't see, of what I've seen of the rest, any of them good enough to beat him. If, as he always tends to do, brings his A game to the table at Leopardstown um, in, you know, in, the, in the last week in December. Yeah, Sharjah looking pretty strong, pretty, um, yeah, the top end of the market, 11 to 10, best price, odds on in a place. Rory, do you see it the same way? Pretty much. I mean, I'd be a little bit, I haven't had a, um, a proper look at the weather forecast um, for Leopardstown. He, he won it on soft last year, but he's always in a horse who's, who doesn't want the ground too deep. And if it did get deep, that would that would um, help one or two others. But as long as, it, you know, at the moment is what, Yielding, yielding the soft, something like that, be absolutely fine for him. Um, uh, he's, you know, he's still only eight as well. I guess it's remarkable sometimes the horses who seem to have been around forever, like Sharjah, um, but he's also been looked after by Willie Mullins, um, and he is the likeliest winner. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily want to back him at um, uh, at eleven to ten, given given you could have backed him last year at, um, I think his SP was eleven to two uh, when he won this. Um, I think you'll get better value. Uh, on the morning of the race, I think you know if if I was a bookmaker pricing up a race like this, I'd be I'd be super mm-hmm. careful about it and put him in short. I think you won't get. I don't think he's going to be an odds-on shot, um, given you know he's not. Um, he's been beaten often enough in his career for for people to want to take him on at least. Um, but he's yeah. I look through the field and there aren't many I really want to be with at this stage. There are a few who flattered in here who've, who've, who've suggested they might develop into champion hurdle horses. Um, and haven't quite gone on. Um, St. Wow was meant to be jumping fences this year. I'm interested to see him in the entries for this. Um, Willie had specifically asked J.P. McManus um, if he could switch him to fences. Um, when you consider a year ago, he was the talking horse for the champion hurdle. Mm. Um, that's an interesting one, but potentially back over hurdles here. Um, last year's juveniles haven't really upped their game this season, so it's hard to be hard to be with them. I suppose the one that you could be interested in is, is Teopu, who you know didn't go... Uh, to Cheltenham and has um, has taken his his form up a, a notch this season, but even that is still a stone inferior to um, to what the favourites showing. So uh, I don't particularly like backing four year olds in, in these races anyway. So yeah, it's um, it's Sharjah. I'd like I, I think you might get a little a little better on the day, but um, hard to look past him. Sharjah eleven to ten could be bigger on the day. Good to hear Andy and Rory agreeing on so much. It can only bode well. We could probably find. Uh, a handshake super Yankee somewhere in there, the amount of times you two have agreed, which is always good because, you know, when you two both uh, come down on the same horse, it can often bear fruits. But thank you to you both. Thank you to Rory. Thank you to Andy for taking the time to talk to me uh, and talk us through the racing over in Ireland over the Christmas periods. Uh, Please do download the Odds Checker app now for the best prices, uh, best bookie offers, free bets, place terms, and of course, Andy's tips straight to the app every morning around 9 a.m. Thank you very much to 888 Sport, our sponsors. Uh, thank you to their ambassador, Barry Geraghty, as ever, for taking the time to speak to us. Uh, please do to, please do subscribe to the Odds Checker YouTube channel. We've already recorded a Kempton preview as well with myself, Andy, and a Quigley, so you can find that there and on all podcast platforms as well. I hope Barry has a good Christmas. I hope you, Rory, and you, Andy, have a good Christmas. I hope you, the listener, and you, the viewer, also has a great Christmas as well. Hopefully, if you winners in there, please do enjoy the racing. And crucially, please do gamble responsibly. Merry Christmas. <laughs>